Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships with me, Justin Hancock. It's a solo episode today. I wrote an, a, an article for my website for young people um, called BISH. If you don't know about that, do keep up, dear listener, bishuk.com. It's one of the world's leading sex and relationships education resources online. Um, I wrote a piece about called How to Get a Girlfriend or Boyfriend or Them Friend. And I thought I'd kind of read it out here, but also kind of complexify it a little bit, which is um, what we try to do here. I perhaps might talk a little bit about some of the theory behind some of it in the background. So there'll be bits of me reading from the article, but also kind of side notes from me explaining some of it. And I hope you'll find it useful. So I say, here's my really best advice on how to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a them friend. If you're a bloke listening to this, wanting a girlfriend, it's not just men who have problems getting a girlfriend, honestly. Men can find it hard getting a boyfriend, women can find it hard to get girlfriends, boyfriends or them friends too, and non-binary folk can also find it difficult getting into these kinds of relationships. And of course, there are lots of outside reasons for why dating and sex and relationships is very difficult for some people. Uh, so our access to spaces, whether we meet the beauty standard, um, racism on dating, app, dating apps, uh, disablism from people on dating apps, um, our access to resources, financial resources, etc., um, etc. Et there are always going to be things that are out of your control. We live in society, and the inequality in these societies means it's harder for some people to get dates than others. Our kind of attractiveness, I guess, is unfairly distributed, but also it is, um, it is mediated, and it produces these, uh, these standards of attractiveness, these kinds of discourses of attractiveness that some of us are, are able to access and others not. However, this isn't going to be a very useful article or a very useful uh, podcast if I just dwell on these issues. We have to use a different language game. So uh, one of the issues for talking about problems in this way is that one of the issues we're talking about problems with this way is that we run the risk of first of all reifying the problem. So if we talk about all of the barriers for why people can't uh, date or why people might find it difficult to date, we make this problem so insurmountable that then we can start to blame um, we can start to blame people and individuals, but also blame ideas. This is something that the alt-right do very successfully by saying to young men in particular, the reason you can't get a date is because of feminism and queerness and uh, wokeness and political correctness. And so you're never going to be able to get a date, so you should be miserable and you should be violently angry. That's you know one of the things that it does. The other thing that it does is to, the, talking about the problem in this way, is that it runs the risk of fixing people's social locations. So it means that, so we might run the risk of, um, albeit unintentionally, suggesting that, for example, disabled people will never be able to get a date because of disabledism, lack of access to resources, lack of access to, um, uh, to spaces, etc. And that is actually disabling, you know, to disable people uh, by saying that it's not possible for them, for disabled folk um, to get dates. So that's bad too. The other thing also that dwelling on a problem does is that it, it completely obscures the solution. And that's really important. Any advice that we give, it's got to work, right? It's got to be useful advice. Otherwise, 
what's the point doing it? It's just somebody kind of uh, ranting or somebody um, for their own benefit talking about problems in a way that seem insurmountable and to suggest that um, uh, in order to give that, you know, what does that do for them? It gives them some power as well. It gives them some kind of clout and actually, but it doesn't actually help. Um, but also, the reason why we need to offer solutions and to have a solution focus, as I've said before on previous episodes, is that it leads to actual outcomes that might actually end up preventing some of the problems that we talk about. So it kind of it's a micropolitics, and um, and that's really really important. And it's really really important to keep hold of that. Uh, that there is always a new line of flight uh, wherein we can micropolitically start to change some of these things and learn from that and change them macro-politically. That's going to be something that I'll talk about throughout the episode. Um, so from now on, we're not going to talk about the problem, okay? The solution isn't in the problem. The solution lies in a completely different language game, okay? Uh, so all we need to do, so the main, the main thrust of this article, this, uh, well, I say article, it's just me talking now. The main thrust of this ep- episode is that we have to, in order to get a girlfriend, boyfriend, or them friend, we need to start paying attention to what's better and what we're pleased to notice. Okay, so this first section is about entanglements. So a bit of philosophy to start with. There isn't going to be one thing in this podcast episode that will cause you to get a girlfriend. I'm using girlfriend here. I'm just in, I'm just interchangeably using girlfriend, boyfriend, them, friend. I honestly think that it doesn't make a difference what we're talking about. Um, and again, if I were to go into the differences around getting a girlfriend, getting a boyfriend, and getting a them friend, I'd be spend, spending too long talking about the problem. And actually what we need to do is focus on solutions. So I'm using girlfriend, boyfriend, them, friend interchangeably from now on. So there isn't going to be one thing in this podcast episode that will cause you to get a girlfriend. In fact, it's most helpful to stop thinking about things causing other things to happen. Move away from this idea of this discrete singular thing and move away from the idea of being of done slash being done to. That's not how I think dating, sex and relationships work. Instead, think of yourself as being an entanglement from which connections, relationships might emerge. This means letting go of a lot of the stories about how dating works and what you're supposed to do. You might also need to squint a little bit or to look at things from a different kind of direction. It, might, it also means trying all of this advice all of the time and seeing what happens and just kind of quietly paying attention to what might be different or what might be better. So next bit of advice is to be seen. You have to be seen by others full stop. Being out in the world makes the you become. So if you don't spend time with people, either offline or online, you're just not going to become you, let alone get a date. Thinking about the reasons you don't have a boyfriend puts you in your head. And so instead of being in your head, you should try to be in your body and in the world. Now, being seen is a lot harder for some people than others. For some, it might just not feel safe enough. But... Where are the spaces where you can be seen uh, for who you are and who you might be? When you are there, what does it mean to you? When people see you and you see them, what do you notice? What might they see? How are you holding yourself? What are you looking at? What's happening with your breathing? 
Think about what your feet are doing. What are your facial expressions? Be interested and interesting. People say you should get a hobby or join something if you want to get a date. It's one of those kind of common sense, uh, received wisdom kind of bits of advice. Get a hobby, it's fine. And the kind of the implication of that is, is that you'll find people and you'll you'll hit on people while you're there. You know, you'll basically find people to chat up. And there's a lot of discourse about this, about um, when people are, uh, are trying to get people involved in activism or organising. Sometimes people might say, and it's a great way to meet people, you know, winky face. And then people on the left say, oh, that's not good. It's not a good reason. And it's, and it's not. But... Um, it does put you, it makes you seen in a world where there are other people around. Being seen, generally speaking, is a good thing. But the reason why I think that getting a hobby is good um, is that as well as it putting you in the world near other people, around other people who feel similarly to you, it gives you a passion. It helps feed a passion. It helps you to be really interested in something. It doesn't matter what it is that you're interested in, but being interested is very interesting to other people. The passion you have for something affects other people, which allows them to feel your passion too, even if they aren't really into that thing. It's kind of sexy, in fact. Perhaps you've experienced this from other people too. Try and think back to a time when you found someone really interesting. It doesn't have to be someone you know in real life either. Remember how you were affected by their passion. Think of the thoughts, feelings and bodily responses you experienced and bring them to mind. That passion starts to become shared and emerges between you. So it becomes this co-created passion. When you're feeling that passion, whose is it? You know, it becomes this this again it comes from an entanglement there is passion being felt and passion being created it's not one person giving somebody their passion or one person vicariously experiencing someone else's passion or saying or thinking i feel your passion we are being affected by someone else's passion i think and i'm not sure yet uh, i need to learn more about this guy it, it's spinoza i think i need to get someone on to teach me about spinoza uh, if you are a spinoza expert and you want to talk to me about the body please get in touch okay now reflect on the time that you were last really interested in something when was it what were you thinking how did you respond did anyone else notice and if they did what would they have seen See if you can experience this again in the next few days and allow yourself to share this interest with someone else, even if they aren't interested in the thing you're interested in. Shout out to anyone who's been in my life over the last few years listening to me talking about Half Men Half Biscuit, for example. They're a great band, you should listen to them. Not looking. A lot of people say that the key to getting a girlfriend is to not look for a girlfriend. I've heard that so many times. I heard this advice all during Valentine's Day when people were giving advice about this. I've heard it from loads and loads of people. It's probably not very helpful advice, particularly also if they have a girlfriend and if they're somehow explaining that this is how they got into a relationship that they weren't really looking. But I think maybe a better way of putting this not looking thing is to say, don't try to get a them friend, but allow for one to emerge. 
Relationships aren't this one thing, this discrete singular thing that you get. The terms getting or having a boyfriend are actually really unhelpful. I have to use them to please search engines when I write about this, but also I have to use these terms to get your attention. <laughs> if I titled this podcast, How to Allow for the Emergence from an, effect, from an Entanglement for Relationships to Happen, you might, you might not get your attention. So sadly, sometimes we have to speak with two voices and to use this use a term which really isn't very helpful. But I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, so the terms getting or having a boyfriend are really unhelpful. Think about any of your relationships. You didn't just get them. They emerged. And as I said at the start, they emerged from an entanglement of things. Also, when we objectify a relationship, we create this, we create this ob- object in the other person. We treat it as if it is a commodity, something to be traded, something to be looked after, something to be, or something to be held, or something which has some kind of value. It's problematic. That's not what a relationship is. It's not what another person is. Because people also want to emerge. Being alive is a process of becoming. We're all changing and moving. Our values, politics, connections, passions, hairstyles, favourite crisps. So I think that we're all probably attracted to people who aren't trying to get or have us. Perhaps people wouldn't mind if a connection happened but then they also aren't trying to get it or make it happen and that maybe they can hold it all lightly we want to both be free and also gently held in this way we and a relationship can emerge too so what if you were able to just be around people and instead of grasping onto them you were light breezy and relaxed What if a miracle happened overnight and tomorrow you were more relaxed about connections? Instead of trying to get a girlfriend, you could allow for relationships to slowly emerge. What would you notice about yourself? How would you be different? How would people respond differently towards you? So, so far we've said don't grasp, just be seen, be near people and be interested and interesting. Next bit, your body. People are interested in your body, but probably not in the way that you think, or not in the common sense ways that we are told uh, bodies work, or attractiveness and bodies work. So let's say you take uh, toxic masculinity influencers' advice and go to the gym. Maybe you start to feel really good about your arms getting more muscly. Don't skip leg day though, that's a joke. Um, You stroke your arm, it feels good. You smile. As you do that, it brings to mind the feelings you get when you work out. How good that makes you feel. Maybe you smile some more. As you pay attention to that, maybe you pay attention to how other people might be seeing you, either theoretically or actually. Maybe you respond by smiling nicely. They smile back. This is what makes you attractive. It's not what your body now looks like. It's not your big arm, it's not your big bulging bicep. It's your relationship with your big arm and what it does for you. Your bicep is helping you to emerge. Just like the interested, interesting thing, it's not the interest, it's that you're you're interested and people are interested when someone is interested. (laughs) 
This is why exercise is just good to do generally, apparently. It puts you in your body looking out. So in looking out. Instead of being outside your body looking in. So stop taking the advice from toxic masculinity influencers or many other influencers of trying to make your body look a particular way. Uh, don't treat ourselves as machines. Don't be outside in. Do anything where we're inside out. So don't try and make your body look in a certain way or do particular things. Instead, do anything that gets you a bit out of breath, makes your muscles work and feels good. I myself like to walk and do yoga. I sometimes use these uh, resistance bands things at home that I bought during one of the lockdowns. Uh, I am not ripped whatsoever, but whenever I've done a little bit of exercise, it just makes me feel a bit better. Uh, and I think that is the experience for most people. Paying attention to your body in this way won't cause you to get a girlfriend or boyfriend or them friend, but enjoying being in your body is an important part of the whole thing. Any changes to your body might be a side effect that might feel nice, but that's not going to be the thing that causes you to get a them friend. Other similar small bodily changes might be a good idea though. So, for example, get a haircut. So, a former colleague of mine once asked for my advice about her son. Apparently, he was really shy and couldn't talk to anyone. And although he fancied girls, he never really felt like he could get into relationships. I think he was like 17 or something. My advice was, get him a nice haircut. So, she booked him a haircut at the local fancy hairdressers. I think I suggested something like Tony and Guy or something like that. Are they still around? I don't know. Anyway, this was a while ago. And he went into this hairdresser's. Everyone fussed over him, made him feel great, and gave him a very trendy haircut. I think his man, you know, spent 50 quid on it or something. Um, but they all made him feel really, really good. And maybe he only went there once, but this one haircut had this massive effect. His mum thought that the experience totally changed his life. And it wasn't the change to his body that caused him to more com- be more confident. It was the process. They made a fuss of him, said he looked great. I think they also happened to be quite attractive as well. I think he kind of fancied them. So there was the extra benefit of him fancying these kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, these women he found attractive who were making a fuss over him. I think he found that really uh, good as well. He saw them looking at him in the mirror. He responded back. He emerges a little bit more. He is a bit more seen. The staff respond a bit more positively. He gets seen a little bit more. He emerges a little bit more. He's more welcomed into the world. And then the staff respond again. He responds back, encouraging this kind of being seen, this this emergence of him, this becoming other. I imagine when he went to school, he was being noticed a little bit more. Perhaps he was being cute when he responded back. Maybe he stood up just that little bit taller. Maybe he smiled a little bit. Maybe he was more able to look people, give people a little bit more eye contact. His new look was inviting people to look at him. And when they did, he responded and they responded back. He was in his body being seen, inside looking out. Getting a good haircut isn't going to work for everybody. A lot of people hate having the haircut. For example, it's very hard for people to have a difficult time sitting in front of a mirror. Trans-inclusive places often give people the option. My point here is that small things like a haircut, a nail polish, 
new specs, maybe even just making a tiny little bit more effort to put a look together can make an absolutely huge difference. This is particularly true if you do this with someone else. Um, so you could do some of these things with another person and they can be, you know, you can be noticing how they respond to this emerging you, this different you. Uh, but also you could kind of say to someone uh, close that you trust that, you know, I've got this new haircut, what do you think? And they could say, oh, it looks really good. And then a little bit more of you comes out into the world. The key is noticing what's better. If, you're no, if you try something new, pay attention to what's better. What emerges? How do you respond? What about other people? What's better? What else? Next section. Noticing connections. As you emerge a bit more into the world and out of your head, see if you can start notice being noticed. Keep noticing what is better and paying attention to newness. After a while, you might start noticing connections. Notice connections with absolutely anyone, even people you wouldn't dream of being your boyfriend. This is why being seen and doing anything that helps you to emerge and be more seen is important. When being seen happens and seeing another person happens, it basically is like falling in love. Psychologist Barbara Friedrichsen calls falling in love micro moments of positivity resonance. Uh, tick, bingo, you know, if you're playing bingo at home and you hear me say micro moments of positivity resonance, tick. I've said this so many times on this podcast over the years. Anyway, uh, what is it where, what is micro moments of positivity resonance? Our pupils dilate, our hearing adjusts the frequency of the other person, the vagus nerve kicks in to regulate our heartbeat so that we can stay with the other person, chemicals are, help, are released to help us de-stress and to tune in to the other person, oxytocin is released, that, that's the, the tuning in hormone, it's not the love hormone, it's the hormone that helps us figure out what's going on with another person to try to really tune into what someone else is saying. Neural pathways in our brain start to alter and adapt. And you can experience these things, micro moments of positivity resonance, with your pets, someone at the shop, a funny moment with a teacher, a smile with someone randomly in the street when something funny happens. You can actually experience it with other non-human things as well. You know, you might not get this look back or experience this back, but you might feel this kind of, you can fall in love with a scene, uh, a flower, uh, a smell, something you know a great song that you hear you might notice this happening for yourself but if you do this with another person or a pet you can kind of you might notice these things even even more clearly now clearly this isn't falling in love in the way you know i don't think this is what love is but i think it's really useful to pay attention to these little micro connections again everyone is different we don't all have access to the same senses and our brains will work in different ways. But think about the last time you had a little connection like this. Can you replay it in your head? Slow it right down and play it back millisecond by millisecond. Notice how you weren't trying to make it happen, but it just emerged from both of you and the situation, the entanglements, the different things that were all happening in context at that precise millisecond. What was your face doing? How did your breathing change? What happened to your heart rate? What else do you notice about that time where you just made that last connection? And it could literally have been earlier on today when you were at the shop. 
Okay. Next section, getting the vibe. When you start to have more micro moments of positivity resonance with people you know, you might start to feel these connections emerge more. Common advice people give you, remember they mean well, is that you'll just know when you connect with someone. You'll know they're into you because there's a vibe. Well, you might, but also you might not. Vibes is a term that neurotypical people use for things like, are you both smiling when together? Do you pay each other excellent attention? Are you comfortable being physically close? Can you hear each other really well? Do you feel relaxed and excited at the same time? Does your heart rate eventually slow down a bit? Does your breathing slow down a bit? Have you been able to have some eye contact that didn't make you cringe? This is what I was saying about micro moments of positivity resonance happening over a longer period of time or over a series of events. So a vibe is a co-created set of micro behaviors we sometimes find emerge over time with people. Pay attention to it, be interested in having more of it and enjoy it. You don't need to do anything about it other than just enjoy it. If you both to turn this vibe into something that feels a bit more concrete, you might have to say it out loud. Now, back in the day, me and Meg John did an episode about, about making the implicit explicit. Go back and listen to that. I've also got a lot of other advice about, I think we did a show about how to ask. Uh, certainly, I've got other advice about this on this podcast. I've got tons of advice about this at Bish as well. Um, but here are just a few ideas about how we might make some of this uh, how, well, as I said in the article, how we might say it out loud. If you're noticing the vibe, say it out loud. We have really great, great vibes together. I really enjoy your company. Would you like to do it more? Remember that the times you're spending with someone are co-created. So you can't tell them what it is that they're thinking and feeling. But if you're having a nice time, they're probably feeling like it's a nice time too. So you're saying this kind of obvious thing, but saying it out loud. It's saying something out loud that you're both thinking. It's important not to think, okay, I'm going to territorialize this and think, okay, just because we're spending time together doesn't mean that what they want to be your girlfriend, boyfriend, or them friend, right? But if you're saying out loud a thing which is really obvious, that the vibes feel really nice, or I re really enjoy chatting with you, this is really nice, that doesn't kind of force it. It just allows it to emerge. It just coaxes a little bit more emergence. And it's just kind of paying attention and noticing to this thing that you're co-creating unconsciously co-creating and it's a nice thing you know it's like and and it's like and it's not to it's not to grasp it it's not to try to make it this singular thing it's just to say look at this thing that we've kind of co-created and this feels nice and a little bit kind of just celebrate it and just be in it and say you know to be kind of heady and slightly high from this you know we can we you know we can be feeling this can these can feel incredibly pleasant sensations and sometimes it's just a good idea. Just just enjoy these really pleasant sensations and be with it. This is what joy is. And actually, everything that I've been talking about so far is basically how do we experience joy? How do we experience um, joy and connection? And how do we have collective joy? That's what all of this is. So remember, the times that you're spending with someone are co-created and you've left behind the idea of done slash being done to 
the vibe and the nice times have emerged from you together, from this entanglement of different relations that you have with your bicep, flowers, your past, newness, the other person, where you're sitting, what you're sitting on. It emerges from an assemblage, an entanglement. Yes, I am talking about Deleuze and Guattari and feminist new materialism again, dear listener. I'm not going to stop until I get more interested in another theory. But also, I'm using theory, this kind of theory, because it's really useful. I think it's just, I think it, particularly for sex and relationships, it just makes things really useful and it gets us uh, over some of the really uh, difficult kind of barriers that we often face. It kind of really helps us to overcome these kind of binaries this kind of done and done to um binary is the one that is incredibly unhelpful i think and it's one where we just kind of all get stuck anyway kind of gone off topic when you say it out loud this means that there is a possibility for talking about this out loud some more you might not want exactly the same things but you do have a connection so just talk about the connection that can slowly emerge into something which feels a little bit bigger or talking about um, talking about the connection that you have in uh, discursive ways like for example you know that we might de- that we might categorize under the define the relationship chat that might happen further down the line and I think nowadays people tend to prefer to have those kinds of define the relationship chats a bit further down the line a few weeks into a relationship possibly so that how do you feel about being a boyfriend girlfriend then friend conversation might happen but n- not necessarily now You might also, if you're really enjoying the vibe, want to kiss them and say so and say it out loud and ask nicely. Um, And if they just want to be friends and don't want to kiss you back and you want a romantic sexual relationship, it's better to know. Okay, Um, it's better to it's better to know now uh, because um, connections don't always turn into boyfriends, girlfriends and friends. But even if it doesn't, if you're not for them, they're not for you. But the key here is to remember that there are a million different stories for why this person didn't want that kind of relationship at that moment. So stories don't have to be true. Just pick the story that is kindest to you and that you can make the most use of. Pick the story that allows for you to keep learning, growing, being a little bit brave and to continue emerging, continue becoming you, allowing you to be seen and to be in, in your inside looking out, to be in the world. And here is a final takeaway thing to try, which is just lifted directly from solution-focused therapy, which is what I've been training in. So, okay, let's say you want a girlfriend, boyfriend, or them friend. If you got one, or if one emerged, what difference would that make to you? Now, keep asking that question until you get a response, which is something about your life feeling better. So if you say... I want a girlfriend because I would like to have regular sex. Say to yourself, well, what difference would that make? And you might say, I just want to feel desired. Work with that. That is a good kind of starting point. Or it could just be, I just want to feel loved. I would like to feel safe and warm. I want to feel lighter. I want to be more fun. Uh, Again, this is an activity that you can do. It's a useful thing to think about. Uh, Why do people have romantic relationships? Um, If you want a zine about this, we've got an activity about this in our Make Your Own Relationship User Guide. It's brand new, updated actually. I just updated it the other day. Changed one of the pages. Um, Go to megjohnandjustin.com forward slash publications to buy that. There's also a link in the bio. Anyway, 
So you've got your best hope. I just want to feel desired. I want to feel loved. I want to feel safe and warm. I want to feel lighter. I want to be more fun. Once you've got your best hope, imagine that overnight a miracle happens. You don't know it, but you wake up feeling really desired or lighter or more fun or feeling loved. What would be the very, very first thing that you would notice that told you that your best hope had come true? And then just slowly go through the very first part of your day, imagining what that might look like, what you might notice. So as you get out of bed, what is it? That, what is the first thing that tells you that your best hopes come true? Then what does somebody else notice about you and how do you respond? How do they respond to you responding? Think about what other people might notice, what they might see, what you might say, how you might respond. Also, try saying it out loud. It work, this works better if you say it out loud. Don't just think it, actually say it. You could record it into your phone and listen back to it. Now, none of all of this is going to work straight away. And also, as I was saying, it's an entanglement. It's an assemblage. We've got to do lots of different things. We've got to also squint and look a little bit differently at everything that we're kind of doing. Particularly if we found ourselves getting really stuck. You know, if we're stuck in that done done to kind of dynamic, that done done to kind of um, dead end, the kind of, uh, you know, that kind of non-relation, okay? But we keep asking ourselves, keep paying attention to what's better? What else? What are you pleased to notice about you? And then keep asking those questions. What's better? What else? What are you pleased to notice? These are the questions to keep asking yourself. And in these questions are where the solution lies. And, you know, finally, I think that it's really crucial to reflect on what I'm doing here and what this kind of thing does. A lot of us who, particularly if we are, you know, uh, tediously politically correct and are fighting for political uh, justice and transformation and fighting inequality and, you know, desperately hate the world that we're living in, which a lot of us do, we feel like this kind of advice, which is about an individual getting better, kind of doesn't feel right or feels a bit inauthentic. And we kind of have to think, well, the only way I can get better is if we just tackle the problems head on to to stay in the language game of what the problem is. And that's not how it works at all. And that is not creating this, what uh, Deleuze and Guattari call this line of flight. And it's also not paying attention to the possibilities of micropolitics. And also, as I said at the beginning, it fixes people's social locations. So actually, this is radical. Okay, It's about going all the way around the other way, the other side of the problem. It's about looking at different ways of how we can actually shift things. And again, by thinking about what's better, what's different, what's new... We are doing this thing of creating a new, as Deleuze, I keep saying, Deleuze and Guattari, this idea of a line of flight in order that we might become other. And as soon as we start noticing ourselves becoming other, other people can do that too. And because all of this recognises that our, in, our interconnectedness with other people, and that actually we, as an individual, our agency, this, uh, this idea is called agential realism, which I learned from Karen Barad when she uh, talks about interactivity, to think of ourselves not as this kind of discrete, separate individual who only interacts with other people and does this done being done to kind of dynamic with other people. Actually, 
we are part of an assemblage, we are part of an entanglement. The What we is, is an entanglement of all of our different relations with other people. So if we do start noticing what is better for, in inverted commas, us, and things are getting better for us, we are also making things better everyone for everyone in our entanglement. Okay, because they are all in, deeply interconnected and interwoven with us. And when we notice that, and then we no, when we notice that, we are all changing. We all have the capacity for constant change and constant movement and flow. Then we can really start to see, see our lives getting better, which might also then, you know, just to be quite blunt about this, might give us the capacity to help make other people's lives better and to do something about the uh, what is happening in the world and to create, to put back into the world in order to try to fight for a better world of living in. But we can't do that without paying attention to the self in this way either. And it's not political and it's not radical to treat yourself uh, in ways that are so unkind that you refuse to engage with how our own lives might feel better. That's uh, not selfish. It's not, in, it's not neoliberal. It's just basic care. And care of the self and is vitally important and it should be part of all of our praxis, all of our political actions. Anyway, I hope you found this useful. Um, what, if you could do me a favour, this would be really, really useful. Can you please go to the article at Bish that I've just read out and kind of extemporised around, and please share the hell out of it. It's about relationships. It's not about sex, but people don't like sharing stuff about sex online. They just don't. Uh, but if you can share this stuff about this article about relationships, I'd be really grateful. Um, my articles, well, my articles at Bish don't get enough attention anyway, but the articles in particular about relationships, I think are some of the best articles that I write and they don't get enough love. So if you could please share the hell out of that article, I'll put a link in the show notes. That would be really very useful for me. Thank you very much if you can do that. The next ask, dear listener, if you're not already listening to this on Patreon, patrons, I love you. Thank you so much for sticking with the podcast and supporting it. If you're not a patron, if you could just join the Patreon for a few months, maybe just chuck a, you know, a quid a month for a few months, um, you help support the show and pay me to do this kind of work. You know, basically I'm freelance. Um, I can only do, I can do, only do this work if I get paid to do it. I do have to do other paying work, and that means that I can't make as many podcasts or write as many articles as I like. It's just me here. So if you can spare a quid a month, I'd be very, very grateful, um, even if it's just for a few months. Also, as a thank you to patrons, I do have quite a bit of other extra material on there now. So there are the um, quite a lot of old Meg, John and Justin episodes that are still locked. Uh, but also I've been doing readings from uh, Enjoy Sex How When and If You Want To. Um, there's a few other bits and bobs of extended material there as well. Um, and also uh, you get to listen to these shows earlier, usually. And also, lastly, I am going to start doing some more uh, kind of exclusive Patreon stuff, like some... Uh, I won't spoil that yet anyway, but I'm going to start doing that very soon. So please sign up to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. Okay, until next time. Bye, bye then. See ya. Okay then. All right, yeah. Try then. Bye, yeah. Try, try then. <laughs>